Good morning, friends, and welcome to A Hasty Podcast. I'm your host, Weston Hasty. <laughs> You're listening to A Hasty Podcast. I'm laughing because I, I didn't even attempt. <laughs> should, we, should we start over? If, you, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know exactly what, it, what I didn't attempt. I'm your wristwatch, Weston Hasty. There you go. There, start over. Look, pret- <laughs> take two. You didn't hear anything. Hello, friends. And welcome to a hasty podcast. I'm your wristwatch, Weston Hasty. <laughs> oh man, welcome to the this, the thing that is this podcast. Welcome, welcome. This is my sort of weird personal journal, uh, entertainment, consuming media podcast about things that I deliver in the morning. It's a, it's a wild ride today. So I'm a little scatterbrained, if you couldn't tell, but uh, it's episode 12. It's episode 12 of my little morning podcast, and uh, I have some exciting news. This is exciting news. Look at this. I have... Actually, I have, I have two two pieces of news. I'll, I'll say the one before I forget about it, because this is not exciting. The less exciting news first is that uh, the... The uh, podcast is finally up, actually, on uh, Google Podcasts. That actually happened, finally. I think I mentioned it in a previous podcast that it was supposed to be up, but, like, wasn't. (laughs) It is now. So you can find me on Google Podcasts now. That is a thing. That is a thing that we are located on. So if you like listening to uh, the uh, podcast on Google Podcasts, you can find me there. A Hasty Podcast is the name of this podcast. Check it out. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, whatever you have been listening on is totally fine. But the more exciting news, the more exciting news is that the podcast now has a Twitter hashtag. Yes. Woo. Uh, we have in my head, in my head, I was playing the YouTube, uh, that like sort of anime wow sound effect in my head. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, I don't even know how to begin. It's just it's just an anime wow sound effect that a lot of YouTubers use when they're like sharing an exciting clip or something. Oh my goodness. I have a a, ha- a hashtag on the tweeter now. I didn't invent it. I didn't make it. It wasn't mine. My good friend Alex, Alex Duquette, uh, tweeted at me in regards to yesterday's episode. Um... I'm just going to read the tweet because because this is content. Continuing the conversation from at Weston Hasty, that's me, at Weston Hasty's hashtag hasty podcast. That's the hashtag, guys. Look, you can do hashtag hasty podcast. <laughs> he invented it. Now I'm going to steal it. It's mine now. <laughs> Let me start over. Continuing the conversation from Weston Hasty's hashtag hasty podcast, mobile games. I absolutely love strategy games, but I can never get into mobile ones. I've always preferred big screens. I just can't commit on a phone. The game could be great, but I just can't give it a fair chance. I also think it's interesting to see how far mobile gaming has come. You can play fully-fledged action-adventure RPGs on phones now, but the casual game market is still huge too. Phones really are the perfect platform since everyone has a smartphone. LOL. Well, 
<laughs> this tweet is basically free real estate, so now I'm about to milk it for content here. <laughs> so we're going to continue talking about mobile games a little bit, and then a little bit later I'm going to talk about um, the next couple episodes of BNA that I've been watching, so stay tuned to that after the, uh, the, the mid-break that I'll have here in a little bit to sip my coffee. But to begin with, uh, the mobile games conversation that we were talking about yesterday, yeah, you can check out yesterday's episode if you want to catch up on that, but I completely agree with this, this idea that screen size is something that I think holds back the potential enjoyment of a number of games for me. I won't say holds back the success of these games because I feel like many of these action games, adventure games, RPGs on the phone can find their niche of people, their player base, and be just successful, just fine regardless of screen size um, with basically any standard size screen. It's interesting, though, because there is the option of going tablet with mobile gaming. Now, I don't own a tablet. I've always scoffed at them, or at least historically I've scoffed at tablets because they exist in this weird place between mobile device, like a phone, this space between a phone and a laptop. It's a mobile device that kind of exists in the space between. It's its own thing, but kind of in between those two things. And I've always scoffed at the idea of having a tablet because if I wanted a tablet, I might as well go whole hog and get a laptop of some kind. Um, and I already have a, a cell phone. Like, I already have a smart fo- smartphone. So that's not, like, off the table, right? Like, I'm going to have a smartphone. I'm not going back to ye olden days of not having a smartphone or not having a phone at all. That's not happening. So I'm always going to have the smartphone. So the thing is, what would get me, what would motivate me to get a tablet over that of a laptop is it mobile gaming (laughs) because you can't really do mobile gaming on pc you can emulate it you can absolutely emulate it and maybe on those like weird two-in-one laptops with the touch screens maybe that's maybe there's a a route there to do mobile gaming on a two-in-one laptop situation Um, But even then, it's just kind of co-opting the tablet idea in gaming. Um, I don't even know if it works. You can't emulate mobile games on PC. Uh, A very popular emulator for at least Android games. I don't know what you would have to do to emulate iOS or if that's even possible. But Bluestacks, if you've never heard of them, is a very popular uh, Android mobile gaming emulator for PC. It runs into problems when you're trying to emulate something that does require you to basically use two thumbs. (laughs) Because obviously, if you're on PC, you're probably using your mouse. So you can set some keybinds up with your keyboard, but obviously it's not always optimal. So it depends on what kind of game you're trying to play, or rather emulate on your PC. Strategy games and RPGs and that kind of thing, you can probably get away with. And I've certainly done it myself in my line of work on YouTube. But uh, getting back to actually mobile gaming specifically, the screen thing. I've had issues with screen size as well on the phone. Playing things like shooters on the phone, I feel like are annoying. Besides just not really having 
joysticks of some kind to manipulate for movement, for more precise movement, and not having clicky-clacky buttons to sort of have that... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? That that sort of response, right? That, that, that sort of indication that you have fired or clicked something. I, I like to click something with a controller in my hand or a button on a keyboard. I like the click, right? Whereas on a phone, you're not clicking anything. It's on a screen. So like a shooter on a phone. One, the controls are problematic for me. But then in two... Your two fat thumbs that you're using to fire and man- maneuver your character are taking up space, real estate on that screen, probably in your line of vision to seeing the screen, unless you're somehow like keeping your thumbs peeled back away from the screen as you play the game somehow. Like if you're not moving, I guess, then you could do that. But you always have at least one thumb on the screen if you're manipulating any kind of control mechanism so that's for a shooter game and i can imagine different strategy games being just as annoying uh civilization comes to mind civilization uh what's the one on mobile civilization revolution i think it is uh two i think it's the sequel the the original civilization revolution was a console game weirdly enough and then civilization revolution 2 came out as a mobile game i have that one because i'm a big fan of civilization and that game gets annoying on a uh, phone screen because manipulated get like moving around on the map zooming in and out moving your pieces your strategic units um, around gets kind of finicky and often I miss tap or send my units moving in one direction or another when I actually was just trying to move the camera in one direction or another for instance so screen size definitely a concern there but again tablets I brought it up. I'm coming back to it. Tablets, though, right? Much larger screen. Handheld mobile. It's kind of the best of both worlds a little bit, right? It's a much bigger screen. Tablets kind of range in screen size, so you do have a little bit of flexibility if you want to do something, uh, say, Samsung Note-sized, which isn't quite the same size as a full-blown like iPad situation, but is definitely larger than a phone. So anywhere from, like, the size of a note all the way to the size of basically a two-in-one laptop basically uh, laptops do have some versatility and flexibility there that being said i do wonder if the larger the screen size on a tablet the worse the controls become as you're trying to manipulate um, all the controls with your hands your usually your thumbs and the bigger the screen the further apart your thumbs become and that means the further away from points on the screen your hands might actually be to manipulate the controls. So it's very interesting how there might be a solution to screen size when talking about mobile gaming. But that solution to increase screen size might come with the trade-off of making the controls of a game more difficult, depending on what type of game you're playing, obviously. I'm talking more along the lines of action games or games that require some kind of reflex or response time. Turn-based strategy games on a tablet would work better than on a phone, in my opinion. So if I was trying to play Civilization Revolution 2 on the phone, like I said, it's a very small screen, kind of hard to move around and manipulate and see everything. On a tablet-sized screen, It's a turn-based game, so, like, I'm not in a hurry to click anything. I can probably have more room to move around, maneuver, and not miss tap. So, strategy games 
probably definitely taking an edge there on tablets. But again, this comes with the caveat that I don't actually own a tablet at all myself. But it does make me curious that if I were to suddenly come into the disposable income to warrant, to excuse the purchase of a tablet, um, that that would be something that I wouldn't mind testing. I'd be very curious to see what my opinions about mobile gaming, what games I like to play on mobile, how that changes, maybe, or becomes more refined between the phone and the tablet, and how that might compare to games that I play on PC. It's very interesting. And I do think that if you can get away with playing those types of games on a tablet, you can commit to playing games for longer not necessarily longer periods of time, but I think the lifespan of game could be longer before you become fed up with it, basically. I, I, it's interesting. Are tablets the solution to the problems that mobile gaming have in general? Is the solution, the best solution, basically, well, you should be gaming on a tablet. I do like, though, something that Alex brings up is that while not everyone has a tablet, basically everyone has a smartphone. And not to be too first world or elitist about it, certainly there are people in the world that don't have smartphones, but just in a very uh, privileged Western society, it's pretty much expected you're going to have a smartphone. And if you're running a smartphone, you're running probably the latest Android or iOS device, and that means you can play literally thousands of games available to you on your respective app store, play store, that sort of situation. And I think that that really, if there's anything that mobile does better than PC or console, it's accessibility to gaming. You're probably going to have a phone whether you game on it or not. So that means you always have the option to game. <laughs> you might not you know, you might have a PC, but you might not have a gaming PC. So gaming any game on your PC is not necessarily an option to you. You might have a TV, but that doesn't mean you have a console. So console gaming might not be an option for you. But chances are, if you're living in sort of a Western um, society, a Western uh, country, you're probably running around with a smartphone, which means you have access to thousands of games for free. So if there's anything that mobile gaming does better than any platform, it's accessibility, which I do think it's funny that that comes with the caveat that it's got the most restrictive screen and controls, the smallest screens possible, most restricted controls possible. So like on one hand, incredibly accessible. On the other, incredibly restricted. It's a sort of paradox in and of itself. That's been my long-winded response to that tweet hit me up if you uh want to respond to these podcasts i'm at weston hasty you can just tweet at me or you can even leave the hashtag hasty podcast and maybe we'll make that a thing regular sort of check-ins if not necessarily every episode every now and again where i check in with a different tweets sent my way if I feel like they warrant a discussion on the podcast. I feel like this was really fun. And for me, it's complete free real estate to have something to talk about. Mm. Pivoting a little bit, talking about BNA. I'm 
what did I just do? I finished episode three and episode four. So I am now officially a third of the way through the 12 episodes of the season that are that is available on Netflix. I don't think there's more than one season. There's just the one season, right? I think so. I'm like, I, I, I just second guess myself a little bit there. But um, I'm a third of the way through the season. So if you're keeping up with my sort of Netflix club, I don't know what to call it yet. It's like a book club but for Netflix. If you're watching the show alongside me, chances are you're probably way beyond me. Chances are if you are keeping up with this, you've probably finished the season and you're thinking, Weston, what's the holdup? I don't have a good excuse for you on that. But I do think that the next time I I check in with you guys on BNA, I'm going to try to be through episode eight so that we'll be two-thirds of the way through. And then the next time I check in after that, We'll be finished with the season. I think that's a good way to do it. Instead of me having <laughs> updates after every one episode viewing. But I did watch two episodes. So I'm through episode four. And we're in we're we're getting a better feeling for the vibe of the show. It's interesting that my first impression of the show and the characters in episode one are not at all holding up <laughs> to how I feel about the world and the characters and the show now after four episodes. And maybe it's not that surprising that you would feel differently about a show after experiencing more of it than initially given. But I was initially under the impression that uh, the main protagonist, our Tanuki girl, whose name I tried to commit to my memory for this podcast after listening to the two episodes, listening, after watching the two episodes that I watched, I was like, I gotta remember this name, I gotta remember this name. I think it starts with a K. K. It's Japanese. I don't I don't know what the name is, but uh, Tanuki Girl. <laughs> I will continue to just nickname the characters <laughs> whatever the heck I want, and uh, you'll just have to deal with it. I'm sorry. I apologize. The, these names just don't stick in my head. When I'm watching the show, I understand everything perfectly. When I'm not watching the show, I'm like, I have no recollection of what these people's names were. I don't know what the problem is. I'm just getting old and dying. Anyway, Tanuki Girl, I thought originally after one episode was going to be a, a lot more serious and have a lot more of a dark past to, that she's like dealing with because in episode one she's on the run she seems to have some sort of savvy when dealing with the skink i think is what she was the 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 shifty underground black market dealer lady that tanuki girl meets in episode one and tanuki girl kind of seems savvy in her dealings with her at least on some level by the time you get to episodes three and four it's gone straight anime on me. Our protagonist has gone straight naive, which I get it. She is in an unfamiliar territory here in Anima City where she is a human living in a beastman's world and trying to act and pose as a beastman, and she's learning a lot about uh, how things work in Anima City. But the thing is, so much of how Anima City seems to operate isn't at all different <laughs> to my eyes from how you might expect a regular human city to operate. The only difference is sometimes the people are animals. <laughs> like, no one's really operating under different rules other than it's a little tough out there. It's a tough world out there. Dog eat dog, haha. But I'm... Um, 
it's just that uh, there's a little bit more aggression, that you have to be a little bit more confident, kind of push yourself around a little bit, and that uh, the toughest survive. I We got that after episode two, I think it was, and in episode three and four, I feel like Tanuki Girl is getting along fine in the world, but isn't really doing anything with herself. But she's trying to find out what to do with herself. In episode three, we learn about this medical facility in Anima City. Um, I can't think of the name of it. I think it's Sylvesta. I want to say is what it was called. Sylvesta Medical Institute or something like that. It's a research lab and a hospital uh, rolled into one. And they have a facility in Anima City as well as elsewhere outside of Anima City. And you do get a snippet toward the end of the episode that the CEO, I guess, the, the person who runs all these hospitals, is a human in some human city somewhere. I don't know where his headquarters is. But uh, based, suffice it to say that these facilities operate in more than one location. This isn't Beastman-specific and Anima City-specific, which I think is going to be important on some level because human-Beastman relations seem to be very important. So I think that's going to come up later. But Episode 3 introduces us to this facility and throws us right into this... Uh, 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 or rather into another terrorist bombing situation where uh, Silver Wolf, whose name I also forget, I think it's Shiro, I think his name's Shiro, Shiro Ogami or something. For some reason, his name's easier to remember, but he's the Silver Wolf, right? Shiro is tasked with locating these bombs that have been threatened to exist in the city. There's been a bomb threat, basically. And he locates them, and the police scatter to defuse these bombs, and somehow... Honestly, in ways that only make sense because Tanuki Girl is the anime protagonist, right? This would not happen IRL. She would not be roped into working with law enforcement. She's she's a nobody. She's just a rando civilian. She has no reason to be roped into any of this other than she happens to just be there when Silver Wolf, when Shiro is um, asked to help. That's basically it. And she pulls the whole anime protagonist, I want to help too. And so she does. So she gets sent, for some reason, to Sylvesta, which is the company that the that actually gets threatened with the bomb threat. I don't understand how this works. There's a bomb threat on Sylvesta. They locate a bunch of bombs around the city that isn't Sylvesta, but then they send Tanuki Girl to Sylvesta alone... <laughs> To just be there in case something happens. And lo and behold, something happens. A bomb blows up. <laughs> it, it makes no logistical sense. None whatsoever. Like, this show is quickly devolving in terms of just logistics. Like, they're completely losing me in, like, why anyone is doing anything that they're doing. <laughs> you just have to be ready to be along for the ride. It's absurd. Um, but yeah, she shows up before the actual bomb blows in Sylvester. She shows up there and follows this apparently suspicious van. It didn't seem suspicious to me, but she follows it. And then where it goes, turns out, yes, suspicious activity is going down. Apparently there's some embezzlement activity where, uh, Sylvester employees are apparently working with a local gang to, uh, transport medical supplies illegally. That's kind of the assumption that we're, we're, we're picking up the vibe from. Uh, but Tanuki Girl gets spotted, and she has to, like, bail. She has to run. 
and she ends up getting chased by the gang, the, the gang goons, right? And they, they, they run her down into an alley, and she's about to be attacked or whatever, and she's about to freak out, and the silver wolf shows up, saves the day, yada, 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 and they start to talk about what has transpired, and then the Sylvester bomb explodes, and they go running back to Sylvester, because obviously there was an explosion. <laughs> you know, obviously this, the, the facility that received the bomb threat, of course it got bombed. Of course it did. Again, I don't know why they weren't, swarming that facility with police i digress they go there um they uncover that it was an inside job basically from the employees that were embezzling goods to the gangsters uh we don't really know why their motives are unclear um there's some action scenes where they try to escape the facility escape law enforcement they capture tanuki girl uh she goes all wild and finds out that she can go noodle arm just luffy one piece style and freeze herself uh by flinging herself off the building which is like a gajillion stories high because of course it is and silver fox has to go flying off the building to catch her and for some reason right she's falling to her clear death and silver fox runs out grabs her so that they're like hugging each other in midair and he just takes all the damage of like bumping into buildings and crap until they crash into the ground, and she's fine because she landed on him, but he should clearly have every single bone and skin cell on, in his body shattered about 10,000 times because he literally just fell like a trillion floors, like a trillion stories high. <laughs> it's absurd. Although I will say, it does get brought up later in episode four that he might have an impervious beastman body like he's got some kind of mutation that gets hinted at in episode four so we don't know the full extent of that or why yet so that does actually get resolved an episode later which i did appreciate um as well as it's becoming clear that there are people watching tanuki girl and sh it's clear that she has powers too with her going all noodle arms and apparently she can kind of she can kind of transform herself into shapes that aren't restricted to her Tanuki Beastman form. So she's like kind of a legit shapeshifter, but she doesn't know how to do any of it yet. And she starts to learn how to do more of it in episode four. I don't have a lot to say about episode four. Episode three seemed really important because it introduces Sylvester and the CEO is going to be really important. This embezzlement thing, there's some kind of fraud, there's some kind of scandal, there's some kind of corruption ha happening in this facility. And it's going to be important because Tanuki Girl wants to work with this hospital to try to get her turned back into a human as opposed to being a beastman. So that's going to cross paths a lot. And it seems like there's inside shenanigans going on at this hospital where there might be some kind of experimentation or something that isn't quite clear yet. By the time you get to episode four, we introduce some more characters. Tanuki Girl accidentally becomes besties with a mafia boss's daughter. Yes, that's right. Somehow that happens. <laughs> Somehow that's an episode. Um, but they, they meet... And they, they hit it off really well all of a sudden and uh, kind of become besties just, just immediately for almost no reason. And uh, the daughter, the mafia boss's daughter, she's like a dolphin, so I'm going to call her Dolphin Girl. <laughs> dolphin Girl wants to go to the human world. She finds out that Tanuki Girl used to live in the human world. Dolphin Girl hasn't picked up on the fact that Tanuki Girl is a human stuck in a beastman's body. She hasn't picked up on that. She just thinks Tanuki Girl's kind of weird. 
but used to live in the human side of things outside of Anima City. And Dolphin Girl wants to go to this party over where the humans live. She wants to be where the people are. <laughs> I mean, it's there's a lot of Little Mermaid nonsense. Like, literally, Dolphin Girl collects human stuff that have washed up on shore in Anima City for whatever reason. <laughs> like, pieces of earbuds and stuff. It's very Little Mermaid. But suffice it to say, they go to this party... Um, at first they're having fun, but then Tanuki Girl kind of feels out of place because she's not really, she, does, she doesn't feel free to be herself because she's still trying to figure out this Beastman thing. She does, in episode four, accidentally turn back human for the sheer just convenience of making this episode happen before she agrees to go to the human world. She, like, looks at into a, a mirror. It, it's actually a window, but she's looking into her reflection and, and gets all uh, emotional about how she can't return to the human world because she's stuck as a tanuki. And then just like magic, suddenly she's back in her human form. She gets excited. They agree to go to the human world. Um, they have fun for a little bit, but tanuki girl feels out of place because she still doesn't understand what's going on with her body, basically, and it doesn't feel like home anymore. And dolphin girl's having fun at first until some of the subtle racisms I, or speciesisms, I don't, I'm not sure, start to come out where the humans are treating her like a dolphin more so than a human. Dolphin Girl shows up in the human world looking like a human at first, but she accidentally lets it slip that she's a beastman, and all the humans are like, whoa, show us your beast form, and she's a dolphin, and she's doing tricks and stuff, and they're having a good time, so she's like living in the limelight of being Dolphin Girl, but then everyone starts treating her as more dolphin than person, right? Um, so much so that at some point they lock her in a, a tank of seawater for reasons, and she about dies because she's not a dolphin. She's still technically a part human, <laughs> like part person. She can't breathe salt water. Like, as a beastman, you're not literally a dolphin. You're like a dolphin person hybrid situation. So she about dies, and Tanuki Girl has to save her, and they leave. And it's a weird, it's a weird episode. It's kind of like filler episode, but it does an interesting job of kind of better describing the weird speciesism that exists in the world of BNA between the beastmen and humans that seems to be fundamentally built on the fact that the t two sides don't understand each other, especially so that the humans don't understand the beastmen and how that physiology works and, and how their culture works. But I still struggle with it personally because besides the shape-shifting into beasts thing, the shape-shifting into animals thing, very similar people with similar desires, needs, and wants. And I, I imagine that's probably going to be the running theme of the show, right? How they're not so different after all, and how, like, humans are probably going to have the ability to turn into beastmen, beastmen into human, and we, they were all the same all along, or some no or some nonsense like that. That's kind of my suspicion. But that's where I'm at now, a third of the way through the show, is that we've been introduced to a number of characters, the law enforcement, the mayor. I haven't mentioned the mayor, at least, like, even once, but she looks like a character straight out of XCOM Chimera Squad. If you watch the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've played that game. Um, we, we've met the underground a little bit with some gang activity, um, and we've met... Uh, 
just a, like a, a number of just wacky characters that just kind of keep recurring and they just kind of keep slinging new characters at us and we're kind of learning more about the world. They've introduced Sylvesta as this medical facility and obviously that's going to be important in finding the cure for Tanuki Girl. And yeah, that's kind of where we are. The, the mystery is kind of deepening in its complexity, but we are starting to get some answers. Um, and that's where we're at now in BNA. That's my wrap-up for that, my hastily made wrap-up for uh, the first third of season one of BNA. So if you're keeping up with watching that show, uh, next time I check in, I'll try to be past episode eight. So that'll be in the next couple episodes, probably. I'm hoping. Um, I'm thinking maybe in the future I should try to schedule my episodes lightly in some way where it's like, oh, every, uh, I don't know, every third episode we'll talk about some Netflix show and every third we'll, we'll talk about games and every third we'll talk about news or something. I'm not sure what this, that schedule would look like, but I'm playing around with that idea so that you kind of know what to expect a little bit as opposed to every episode just being wild and random. Uh, but let me know what your thoughts are on that if you would like uh, over on Twitter. Hit me up at Weston Hasty. We have a, a hashtag now at uh, the hashtag Hasty podcast. You can use that on Twitter to catch my attention. Otherwise, you have been listening to a Hasty podcast. I've been your wristwatch, Weston Hasty, and I'm well over time. So we have to wrap this up. I want to just say that I appreciate you all. Thank you for joining me on this weird podcast journey of mine that I've just kind of made up by the seat of my pants. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy out there, stay safe, and wash your hands. I'm out of here. Bye.